0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. void, prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen
1: to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun, NASCAR icon Dale. Welcome Earnhardt in. the Everybody in the Street is on the phone. I know the podcast is Sweet America, the Air Force Sports Podcast presented yeah. by my Sports Book. It is Friday, June 30th, 2023. People, I hope everybody's doing I hope everybody is having a great day. And I hope everybody is ready for the final episode of the air tour sports podcast before the july 4th weekend hope many of you are traveling spending time with family fireworks barbecue whatever hey do do everybody a favor put the torres pod on in the background although i will say today we're gonna dive into some pretty serious stuff here on a friday going into the holiday first off there is another new report about insanity with behind the scenes stuff with georgia football We have talked about Georgia football. This is the biggest, wildest, craziest report that we have seen. And I'm telling you, I have been slow to blame Kirby Smart for a culture problem within the program. It is really bad. And when you hear the details, I think you're going to be blown away. From there, we'll take a quick break. A couple lighter college football stories. First off, interesting story out of Michigan which has now just given up on even worrying about Ohio State. They are now focused on beating Georgia. I'll explain that. So a little bit of a lighter Georgia story after a serious one. An interesting little twist in the NIL saga on a national scale. And we'll wrap with Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. Uh, Fun, easy way to wrap the week. Again, serious topic to start the show, but we will have some fun at the end of the show with Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. Only other real piece of uh, uh, housekeeping before we get to today's show. Assuming nothing crazy happens over the weekend, this will probably be the last episode of the Aaron Torres pod until after the July 4th holiday. Uh, Maybe if something happens over the weekend, we'll do a quick reaction on Monday. But again, I know Monday, many of you are traveling. Tuesday, many of you are traveling. So assuming nothing crazy happens, assuming there's no insanity in the streets and sports, we will probably get back to the Aaron Torres pod on Wednesday, July 5th. But again, If something happens uh, over the course of this weekend or on the third, we will have a new episode ready to go for you. With that said, let's not waste any more time and let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, so I'll just tell you, we have done probably about three to four segments on off the field Georgia football stuff over the course of this offseason, And I think for many of you, you probably saw the headline, oh, Torres is talking Georgia football again, who cares, whatever stuff happens off the field. When you hear the details of this report, you will be blown away as a new report on Georgia football has dropped. And I'll be honest, I am blown away that this is not a bigger story on a national scale I think if it was Nick Saban's program, Jimbo Fisher's program, Lincoln Riley's program, Dabo Sweeney's program, this would be the biggest story in sports right now. Forget college football. Forget our little area of the internet. I'm talking the biggest story in sports and maybe society. Let's get into it. So as I said, we have talked a lot about Georgia football over the course of this offseason, and it's for just one, you know, either tragic or... Sad or frustrating headline after another. We talked about Georgia the week of their national championship parade when there was a fatal crash on campus that took the life of a player, Devin Willock, and a staffer, Chandler LaCroix. We talked about Georgia again when we later found out that Jalen Carter, the projected potential number one pick in the draft, was actually racing against those two when the tragic incident happened. He, of course, was at the NFL Combine when the story came out, when his involvement came out. He had to return from Indianapolis to Athens to report himself and turn himself into police. He then went back to the Combine from there. We talked about Georgia because Jamon Dumas Johnson, a star player, I believe the defensive MVP, if I'm not mistaken, of the TCU game, the national championship game, he was arrested right around the same time for a speeding incident. And we talked about it most recently, a wide receiver, Marcus Rosamy St. Jack, was also arrested for going 90 in a, a, a situation where he's swerving in and out of cars. And you just continue to see just a lot of off the field incidents at Georgia. And specifically, as we've talked about it, uh, off the field incidents involving cars and in some cases street racing, but really dangerous behavior by a lot of people. We have discussed that. Oh, by the way, a report as recently as about three or four weeks ago pegged the number at, how about this, about 300 different driving-related arrests for Georgia football since Kirby Smart took over in 2015, eight years, 300-plus arrests, 60 of them deemed to be serious. So even before the latest report, we know that there's a little bit of a culture problem, a little bit of an entitlement problem. But that, what just happened and what I just talked about has nothing to do with what came out again this week from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution covering the Georgia Bulldogs. A very serious report, and I will warn everybody that's listening. We're going to talk about some very serious topics, some very serious accusations over the next couple minutes. Obviously, be aware of who you're in the car with or driving with or listening with, because this is some pretty heady stuff. Um, It is mostly accusations stuff in the beginning stages of the criminal process but i want to give you that warning so what did the atlanta journal constitution come out with this week another damning report around georgia football this one not so much focus on the driving related incidents but instead on several incidents of either domestic assault or domestic you know sexual battery type situations and accusations involving the university of Georgia. And here is kind of the, the, the the main point. If you take one single point out of this whole story and out of this whole situation, it is that, and this is a direct read from the Atlanta journal constitution. This is directly from their report. This is not me paraphrasing. I didn't steal this from a rivals message board. I didn't steal from a Florida or a Tennessee message board. According to the Atlanta journal constitution, 11 players have been identified during Kirby Smart's tenure that have, quote, remained with the team after women reported violent encounters to the police, to the university, or to both. In some instances, particularly those involving domestic violence, the police either filed no charges or prosecutors allowed players to plead guilty to lesser charges. So the main point, 11 players in some form or fashion Have been reported either violent encounters with the uh, violent encounters involving females. They've been reported to either police, the university, or both, and they've been allowed to remain on the team. Three specific references in the Atlanta Journal Constitution that are worth monitoring. And this is when you get the very serious conversation. One, there was a recruit part of this most recent recruiting class who, when he was on campus, now look, part of it was he had alcohol, underage, all that stuff. That's a different matter than what he was accused of. Um, He was accused of domestic assault by a female while he was on campus for a recruiting visit. I will acknowledge that he was never charged with a crime and is currently on the team. Innocent until proven guilty. Legal justice system plays itself out. Beyond that, you had a second player, Adam Anderson, who two years ago during the first title run was the leading tackler for the defense, a historically great defense. He was accused of two different sexual assault situations. The first one he suspended from the team. And since then, a second accuser has come out. To Kirby Smart's credit, he has not played a game or played a snap since the first accusation came out. Both are currently in trial. The third one, Very damning, tough to read. A player, an unnamed player, we do not know the player, was accused of sexually assaulting a female while she was unconscious and videotaping it, and according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, that young man, that player, stayed on the team throughout the year before entering the portal this year. So those are three examples with 11 total. 11 players, and again, I'm going to read this straight from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution so there's no miscommunication. 11 players have been identified during Kirby Smart's tenure that have remained with the team after women reported violent encounters to the police, the university, or both. In some instances, particularly those involving domestic violence, the police either filed no charges or prosecutors allowed players to plead guilty to lesser charges, to which I say, 11 players allowed to stay on the team. While being investigated for these these allegations, three hundred plus driving violations, sixty of which were serious, one of which was fatal. At some point, I'm sorry. This is a bad look, and this is bad, bad, bad news for Kirby Smart. Now, before I get into it, let me clarify a couple things. One, yes, I understand how the criminal justice system works. I understand innocent until proven guilty and every young man, every young woman in this country deserves a day in court, deserves a day to, uh, you know, share their version of events. And I also understand that some of these charges were ultimately dropped or they were pled down. And that just because you have 300 incidences of driving, it doesn't mean that all of them were terrible. Some of them were minor. And even with the, the, the sexual violence, the sexual assault or domestic violence, Again, innocent until proven guilty, and some, again, were either pled down or whatever. So that's worth acknowledging. It's worth acknowledging, again, that the recruit, the player that I mentioned a minute ago, Jamal Jarrett, again, he was uh, never charged with a crime. So that is worth noting. And again, Adam Anderson, two two accusations of sexual assault has never played for Georgia since the incident. So I want to be fair. I want to be honest. But I also want to say this. When you talk about 300 plus driving related offenses, when you talk about one player after another being allowed to stay on the team during crazy instances. And more importantly, even with the non super, you know, even for some of the minor stuff, the fact that these players are largely going unpunished in the community and more importantly in football, I'm sorry, but for the first time, I am ready to say Kirby smart you got to answer some tough questions. If you've listened to any of these segments, I have said, you can't blame Kirby Smart for everything. He's the head coach. How can he be accountable for 85 guys when they leave the facility? Well, guess what? I'm saying it right now. Kirby Smart needs to have his feet held to the fire and people need to ask him tough questions. First of all, I'll say this. Like I just said, I understand the concept of innocent until proven guilty. I understand the idea that When you are a football coach, you can't be held accountable. As I just said, for 85 guys, when they leave the facility, young guys are going to do stuff. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but at the same time, I can't absolve Kirby smart either. And as I said, now is the time where we got to hold his feet to the fire and hold him accountable. And here's why I don't care if you can't be a babysitter for 85 guys, you are paid 10 and a half million dollars a year. To be in charge of this football program, and as they say, with great expectation comes great responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility. And right now, Kirby Smart is very clearly handling that responsibility between the white lines. He is not handling that responsibility outside of the white lines. By the way, these are the same things I said with Nate Oates, with Brandon Miller. I've always liked Nate Oates. I've always given him credit. But the fact is, when you bring a guy, or in the case of Nate Oates or Kirby Smart or whomever, when you bring guys on campus, I understand you can't be with them 24 hours a day, but you have to hold yourself accountable and you have to hold them accountable for a basic level of human decency. And this is the part where I think Kirby Smart is failing. Remember, it's a two-way street in recruiting. Remember, when he goes into those homes, he promises that he is going to take care of Individuals, mothers and daughters, or uh, uh, fathers and mothers, sons. I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to turn them into a man, all that good stuff. Well, here's the other thing about Kirby Smart. Again, you're paid $10.5 million a year. You are the face of this organization, for lack of a better term. And let me also say this for the millionth time, I get you can't be with everybody 24 hours a day, but you have to be responsible for who you're bringing into the community. And right now, it's clear that he's either not bringing the right people into the community or not holding them to a high enough standard, which brings me to the second point. This is where I think Kirby Smart has failed, is that in most cases, not all, not all, but in most cases, it does not appear as though these players are being held accountable at all in terms of football discretion. Kirby Smart has famously said many times, That punishment is handled internally. That punishment is handled internally. We're handling that internally. Well, how about this? I'll just give you one example of many that I could come up with. One example of many that I could come up with. Last year, Kenny McIntosh, leading rusher for Georgia. You may remember that name, late round pick of the Seattle Seahawks. I believe he was a late round pick. Did you know that Kenny McIntosh in 2022, And I'm not speaking about him as a person or a character or he's a good person or bad person. I'm just stating a fact. In 2022, he got in a high-speed crash that sent an Uber driver to the hospital per the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm not making this up. You can Google it per the AJC. A crash that sent an Uber driver to the hospital. A crash that was so violent that two tires flew off of the car that he hit. These are not my opinions. This is according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, okay? Do you know that Kenny McIntosh did not miss a game for that incident? He played in 15 to 16 games or 14 to 15 games last year on the way to Georgia's national championship. The only game he missed was the middle of the season. Did not get suspended. Nothing. I'll give you another example. Transfer. Ra-Ra Thomas came from Mississippi state in January. Just a few weeks after he got to campus, he was arrested in an incident. One of those domestic incidences on campus involving a young female he was initially charged with several crimes including felony false imprisonment in time he was able to get out of those charges eventually he did he, he was put into a pre-trial diversion program no further punishment again i'll let the legal justice system say whether or not he should have been punished beyond that that's not my space to say what i will say you know who was on the field for spring practice ra thomas this after facing felony charges a few weeks before. And so I could go on and on, but you can't tell me that Kirby Smart has zero culpability when he is bringing these individuals into campus, into town, and allowing them to behave the way that they are. And oh, by the way, if there's other things at play, law enforcement, this, da-da-da-da, it still falls under Kirby Smart's purview, in my opinion, because ultimately he is the one deciding who is fit to be a Georgia Bulldog and who isn't. Finally, a couple other things, because I I got all this stuff on social media. Well, this is just how young people act. If you're dumb enough to tell me that this is how young people act, I'm sorry, I don't want to hear it, okay? I understand young people have the occasional speeding incident. I understand young people do dumb things. I did dumb things all the time. If you've ever listened to this show, you know I'm far from a perfect person. I own the fact that I've made mistake after mistake after mistake and I certainly made them when I was younger and just dumber, right? It's 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 part of growing up. But two things. One, saying somebody's young and dumb is not an excuse for several of the behaviors that happened at Georgia, including, uh, you know, allegedly videotaping yourself with an unconscious woman that seems unbelievably, just wildly, just, I mean, I can't even that, but beyond that, When you have so many driving incidences, I get the fact that these are young people. But when you now have hundreds, I'm talking hundreds, 300 plus, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, at some point, these young people do have to hold themselves accountable too, to be able to act accordingly, be smart, do the things that you need to do to stay out of trouble. Yet we've had four, five, six serious ones just since the end of the season. Oh, by the way, we've had a couple serious ones since a fatal crash back in January. Finally, let me say this, because I know I'm going to get a lot of this. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, well, you know, this, this happens at every school and, um, you know, this happens at every school and you're just picking on Kirby Smart because he's winning. No, I'm not. I'm picking on Kirby Smart because he's letting his players get away with a lot of crap in Athens, okay? And I was thinking about this today. I don't know why this story isn't bigger. I'm actually kind of blown away by it. And let me even take it a step further. With this story, what think about what I just told you, 11 players accused of domestic violence or uh, sexual assault allowed to stay on the team, 300 plus players arrested for driving related incidences. You think that's happening everywhere? You think every coach is letting his players get away with that? Because I'm sorry, I don't. And I'm shocked that this isn't a bigger story, because if that was Nick Saban, same facts, same details, and it was Nick Saban, it'd be the biggest story in the sport. Now, you can argue, oh, you know, Nick Saban wouldn't answer questions or he'd get mad or whatever. Be the biggest story in the sport and maybe sports in general. Imagine if this was Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher. Think about the coverage of what we think is and we're not even sure. Remember last fall at South Carolina when three players were basically thrown off the team and we believe it was because they were, excuse me, but smoking weed in the locker room? Think about the coverage that got. Versus the coverage that this Georgia story is getting, I bet you are. I bet I am the first person that you are hearing details from. Imagine if this was. Oh, by the way, Dabo Sweeney, who everybody hates, Jim Harbaugh, who everybody hates, Lincoln Riley, who everybody hates. I don't know if it's because it's Kirby. He's non-confrontational. He doesn't say a lot to the media. Doesn't do a lot of things to ruffle feathers. I am blown away that this isn't a bigger, bigger story. And I'm not saying Kirby Smart needs to be fired. What I am saying is he needs to be held more accountable for the guys he brings into Athens. He needs to be held more accountable for their behaviors in Athens. And God forbid, if they do something as bad as some of these accusations, at the very least, remove them from the program until things get solved. But there's some really bad stuff, some really bad accusations. And I think I've made my point at this point. Okay. I think I've made my point. I'm just shocked. This isn't a bigger story. All right, That's what I want to do. That was a big first segment. I want to take a quick break. And when I come back, I do want to switch gears to two lighter college football stories. Those first two ones were pretty heavy. I do want to talk about um, I do want to talk about a lighter story with Georgia. Michigan now has has worked in a beat Georgia segment into their practices, insert your own jokes about, you know, how you beat Georgia with what's going on off the field. And also, did you see the NCAA is now trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube on NIL? Did you see what Texas A&M's AD had to say about it? Two lighter stories. We'll be back. Had to get that Georgia stuff off my chest. Quick break. Right back. All right, we'll get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. The NBA playoffs are here and nobody has you covered quite like Betfred. By now, you know Betfred's story, started in 1967 in the UK, over 1,200 shops in the UK. They have since come to the United States and made a major splash. They are not only the presenting sponsor of the Aaron Torres podcast and all things Aaron Torres Media, but also the Cincinnati Bengals, the Colorado Rockies, the Denver Broncos. And what I love about Betfred Sportsbook is that nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred. You've seen the Betfred Sportsbook suite at Bengals games. It is hopping. We have sent listeners of this show to Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. Bet Fred bettors have thrown out first pitches at Colorado Rockies games. Again, nobody takes care of you like Bet Fred Sportsbook does, and here is what they are doing for the NBA playoffs. How about this for a deal? Bet $50 on any game. All playoffs long, get up to $1,111 in free bets. Here's how it works. Download the Bet Fred Sportsbook app. Bet $50 on any game you automatically get $111 in free bets. But beyond that, here is what else Betfred does for you. They're going to give you up to $200 in insurance for the first five weeks that you're a Betfred customer. So maybe you make a bad pick. We all do. We've all been there. Trust me. You followed my picks in March Madness. It happens. So you bet $200, doesn't work out. Get $200 insurance for the first five weeks that you are a Betfred customer equating up to $1,111 in free bets thanks to Betfred. Again, nobody takes care of you like Betfred does. Love working with them. They are the presenting sponsor of the Aaron Torres Pod. Tell them Torres sent you. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app right now. I am back. Gonna be back. Gonna be back. Do want to switch gears, and I want to hit on on you know two quick college sports topics before we get to Aaron right, Aaron wrong. I don't know that. First of all, they're certainly lighter than the serious Georgia stuff that we just discussed. But beyond that, um, you know, two two lighter topics. I don't know that either is like a fifteen minute standalone segment. But let's spend three or four minutes on each because I did find them interesting, lighter topics to kind of head into the weekend before we get to Aaron right, Aaron wrong. The first one actually does loosely have to do with Georgia, but it comes from the University of Michigan, okay? And so when it comes to Michigan, listen, I I think we all kind of know the history of the program, great forever, down years, Harbaugh's hired, a couple good years, bottom out in 2020, and the last couple years, they're, they're obviously the class of the Big Ten, right? And so what's interesting about it is that part of of the success they've had against Ohio State is I do think it's been a little bit of a cultural mindset change of how they even approach Ohio State going forward. And so about two years ago, there's kind of this urban legend, ironic, of course, Urban Meyer, nothing to do with Urban Meyer, but there's a little bit of an urban legend at Ohio State or at Michigan that really... They they treated Ohio State like any other game. And, you know, they would prepare for them like they would prepare for Rutgers or Indiana. And about two, two and a half years ago, they got tired of getting their brains beat in every year by Ohio State. And they implemented a segment of every practice, 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is. And they called it the beat Ohio State part of practice. And every day was dedicated to something related to beating Ohio State. So when they played them on that last thanks, you know that that, that Thanksgiving weekend Saturday, They were ready to go, even if it was just 10, 15 minutes every single day, something related to Ohio state. It's clearly worked out because the last two years they have beaten Ohio state and both times in actually rather convincing fashion. So why do I bring it up? It's because Bruce Feldman was on a podcast with my buddy, Bucky Brooks and, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, I think it was earlier this week. And Bruce brought up a very interesting point. And he was, he mentioned Michigan and how in recent months. They've actually added a second segment to practice. In addition to the beat Ohio state segment, they have also added a beat Georgia segment to their practice as well. In other words, every day, 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is, they do something related to beating Georgia should they meet in the college football playoff. And it's interesting to me because obviously when that story came out, we all know the internet backlash everybody hates Harbaugh. Harbaugh is a joke. Why are they doing this? They're probably not even going to play Georgia. And oh, by the way, they got to go ahead and get past the national semifinals to actually play Georgia to even win a championship. So why are they even worried about Georgia beat Ohio state, get to the playoff and win a game there before you start worrying about Georgia. I think that's petty. I think it's dumb. And I actually disagree with that idea that this is somehow a bad thing or a comical thing or an embarrassing thing for Michigan. The bottom line remains, from my perspective, two things on this story. One, first of all, it's a credit to Georgia. And I can spend the last 10, 20 minutes, whatever it was, criticizing Georgia, current status of their program off the field. But they are very clearly the blueprint on the field to college football success. And so the fact that a program that's 1,500 miles, 2,000 miles from Athens, that doesn't have them on the schedule, that isn't guaranteed to play them, is now spending part of every day focusing on them, it's actually like the greatest compliment that you could give Georgia football right now and where they are in the hierarchy of college football. Beyond that, a lot of people, oh, I mean, how can you this? And why are you worried about Georgia? I actually like it from Michigan's perspective. And here's why. One, we don't have any indication that they've stopped the beat Ohio State segment of the, the practice. It's not as though beating, they, they think that now they've just completely surpassed Ohio State and they don't even need to worry about them. They still know that basically any any shot at a four-team playoff this year is going to run through Ohio State, and even a 12-team playoff in the future is going to as well. Still got to beat Ohio State, still got to beat Penn State, still got to beat Wisconsin. But to me, what I love about this is it's very clear that Michigan believes that there is one more level for their program to climb. We're very good. Then they went to beating Ohio State good, then Big Ten Championship good. The last level is basically this. Georgia is the gold standard. If we can beat Georgia, it means one of two things. Either we played them in the national championship game and we just won a championship. Or two, if we can beat Georgia, we can beat anybody in college football. And so I love the metaphor and I love what this means. We are striving to compete with and beat the best program in college football. It's no longer just about beating Penn State, winning the Big Ten, even beating Ohio State. It's about something greater. It is about something larger. It is about being on the level of and eventually surpassing the best program in college football. So we'll see if Michigan even gets there. We'll see if Georgia gets there. Both teams are really good coming into the year. I would actually have them 1-2 going into the 2023 season. Michigan returns basically everybody off last year's team. Georgia returns most of their defense. But I love this story, and I didn't really get the pushback from people that we're trying to argue that this was somehow some kind of dumb Jim Hart, you know, like Harbaugh one of those guys, right? No matter what he does. Oh, Harbaugh, he's such a clown. He's this, he's corny's he's whatever. Dude's a hell of a football coach. I love him. And I'll say this. We'll talk about it in an Aaron, right? Aaron wrong in a minute. But if you had told me two years ago, if you had told me June 30th of 2021, that we'd be talking about Michigan coming off back to back wins over Ohio state. I wouldn't have believed you. If you had told me two things, In 2023, we're going to be talking about Michigan coming off back-to-back wins over Ohio State or Georgia coming off back-to-back national championships. I think I would have believed the Georgia element of it first shows how far Michigan has come. And as I said, I think there's one step left on the ladder for Michigan to reach. And I give them credit for trying to reach it. Really quickly, the other story that caught my eye, I found this one to be very interesting as well. The NCAA is doing the thing where, and, and by the way, I cover college sports for a living. I don't really get the NCA calendar on stuff. It feels like they have like 20 meetings a year and every year, every meeting it's, we're going to fa- change this and do this and do that and whatever. And so I bring it up because a couple things were discussed at this meeting with the NCAA. Remember the NCAA has a new president. Emirate is out. A guy named Charlie Baker is in why I bring it up. Two things were addressed. One sounds like transfer portal windows are going to be smaller I kind of hate it because from my perspective, it's great for content, but I understand why they would make the decision that they did. But then two, also very interesting conversation about NIL and NIL is something we've talked about a ton, and I'm not going to get into all the nuance, but one of the things Nick Saban was talking about when he went to Congress a few weeks ago was basically saying that we need national oversight on these rules. And I've talked about it before, but every state is a little bit different. California high school athletes can get NIL. Texas, as an example, high school athletes cannot get NIL. It's interesting. Number one high school basketball player in America, kid named Trey Johnson from the Dallas area. He just announced he was leaving Dallas to go to high school in Missouri because he can get NIL there and he can't get NIL as a high school player in Texas. So everybody has slightly different laws. And everybody is on an uneven playing field. And we can disagree whether it's right or wrong. But most of the power players want national oversight. But what was interesting was the NCAA came out basically this week and said this. They basically said, listen, we don't really care what your state law is. We expect you to abide by NCAA rules. And if you don't, there will be hell to pay. And it was funny Because there was one school specifically that just said, yeah, we're not even listening to you. So let's get into it. First of all, this was the direct quote from the NCAA. This was the direct quote from a guy named Stan Wilcox, ironically, is the former Florida State Athletic Director. But he was talking at this conference. And here is what he said. He said, the association has been clear and maintains that schools must adhere to NCAA legislation or policy, even when it conflicts with permissive state laws. In other words, if a state law permits certain institutional action and NCA legislation prohibits the same action, institutions must allow follow NCAA legislation. And so again, the internet went crazy, and you know, oh, the NCAA, typical NCAA, they think they know everything and that rules don't apply to them. And I even saw, you know, people like lawyers like, well, this is just dumb. What I would say is, listen, I think the NCAA is taking a little bit of a bad rap for this. Like, this isn't unprecedented that a governing body will basically say that our rules supersede other rules. I'll give you an example. So the NBA up until literally this year was testing for marijuana and I'm not here to litigate whether it should be legal, should it not be legal, but there are states where it has been legal to smoke marijuana for a long time, Portland uh, or Oregon, where the Portland trailblazers are Denver, you know, Denver is in Colorado, Colorado, it's legal to smoke marijuana. And so I bring it up because the NBA had a no marijuana uh, policy up until this year. So you can legally smoke it in the state of Colorado and you could have still gotten in trouble with the NCAA. And so ultimately, this is not really that different. NCAA saying we know what the state law is, but you have to follow our rules. Why do I bring it up? It's because at least one school is just like, yeah, we're not listening. That school is, of course, (laughs) the Texas A&M fighting Aggies. I'll say this, man, they just play by their own set of rules down there uh, Ross Bjork, their AD was asked about this. And he said, point blank, the state law is going to govern how we do business. In terms of this, the state law will reign supreme. I added supreme, the state law will reign. And that's how we'll move forward. Basically the Texas A&M AD saying, yeah, we don't really care about your stinking rules. To which I say, listen, you know, it's unfortunate, but it's really not that surprising. I mean, the bottom line for me, and I don't mean to to say the same thing over and over and over when it comes to NIL, but I I've said this from the beginning is the NCA did not do a good job of putting rules in place, and the second that NIL was put into place and 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 schools started making their own rules, states started making their own laws. You knew there was going to be chaos. Now we have the collective setup where collectives kind of run supreme, where collectives call the shots, where collectives raise money, where in some cases at a school like Texas a and a collective actually works with the school's fundraising arm to raise money. And I don't see how you put toothpaste back in the tube. Now, maybe we get national oversight. I don't know. Maybe we get national legislation. But right now, I just think we're in that weird phase where everybody's kind of playing by their own set of rules. But it is interesting. The NCA basically saying, yeah, you guys need to follow our rules or else. And you have an SEC AD basically saying, yeah, we're good. We're going to do our own thing. All right. Those are two quick topics. Uh, this is what I'm going to do. Come back. And when I come back, we're going to wrap. America's favorite podcast segment, Aaron right, Aaron Wrong. lot to discuss here. Uh, fascinating week in sports. We're going to hit on it all. Be a quick be take a quick break, be right back. Aaron right, Aaron Wrong, that is coming up next. Okay, round two. Name something that's
0: not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. chumbacasinocom No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?
1: Good to be back, good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. And I do want to go ahead and wrap with America's Favorite Podcast segment where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. By now, you know the background to this segment. Yes, I stole this from my buddy Colin Cowherd. Colin does every single week where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. And I decided to bring it to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast for one very simple reason. It is because over the course of a week, a month, a year, Nobody loves giving out hot sports takes more than your boy Torres, which is all well and good when I get them right. But here's the problem: I get a lot of stuff wrong too. And while I love to brag when I get stuff right, Torres told you this. Shoulda listened to Torres. Torres said Torres da 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 da. I also have to own it when I whiff on stuff as well. And trust me, I whiff on plenty over the course of a week, month, year. And so because of it, every Friday we do where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Fun way to wrap the week, giving my best and worst takes of the week. Let's get to it where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, where Aaron was right. So like everybody, when Lincoln Riley was named the head coach at USC, I said, listen, it's a matter of if not when this is just perfect coach, perfect school, perfect situation. Not surprisingly, Lincoln Riley has killed it, but why I am talking about it today is this. Lincoln Riley, early on in the process, has largely really taken advantage of the transfer portal. Caleb Williams, uh, Jordan Addison, Mario Williams, this year, Bear Alexander from Georgia. But very quietly, I don't talk a ton of college football recruiting on this show. He is putting together a monster class with, how about this? They currently have 15 commitments, as I record today, 14 of them have come in the month of June. I bring it up to say that Lincoln Riley is now starting to recruit at an elite level. They now have the number seven ranked recruiting class in the country. And it's not just wide receivers and running backs and quarterbacks. Just added an edge rusher from from Georgia, four-star guy that the SEC wanted. Uh, Just added a four-star linebacker from Florida that everybody in the SEC wanted. These are the kinds of guys that USC has to add to build a national championship caliber program. I believe they are. And as I told you, I can't take too much credit for this because everybody told you. Lincoln Riley is going to work at USC. It is a matter of if not when that program is a powerhouse, not just producing Heisman Trophy winners and great offenses. I believe they will be competing for national championships before you know it. Where Aaron was wrong. So about a year ago, I remember talking about the NFL and their gambling policy when Calvin Ridley got suspended for a year. And at the time I said, listen, first of all, don't feel bad for Calvin Ridley. There's basically only two rules in the NFL, essentially to basically, if you want to play in the NFL, there's only two things that you have to abide by. Don't do something so stupid that you end up in jail on Sunday and can't report to the stadium and don't bet on NFL games. And I said, this Calvin Ridley situation is bad, it's awful, it's terrible, but it's going to teach all these players a lesson that just don't bet on, on the NFL and don't bet on sports in general if you can avoid it. Well, I bring it up because, yeah, I was dead wrong. On Thursday, four more players suspended by the NFL for betting on the NFL, including Isaiah Rodgers, a running back from the Indianapolis Colts who bet on his own team and over under prop bet on rushing yards. What are we doing? Listen, I understand that some of the NFL's betting policies are a little bit weird. You can bet on sports that aren't the NFL, but not when you're at the facility. I get all that. The one thing you cannot do is bet on the NFL. And I thought once Calvin Ridley got caught doing it, it would stop everybody else. Instead, we got more guys doing it, more guys in trouble. Listen, I do think this eventually will get figured out. But I just bring it up to say, how dumb can you be? Don't feel bad for these NFL players. There's only one rule you got to abide by. You can't bet on the NFL. You certainly can't bet on your own team. Yet we have guys doing it. Where Aaron was right. All right, let's go to college hoops really quick. Something I talked about on Thursday and something, or Wednesday, I should say. And something I've talked about really for about the last two, three, four years. When Eric Musselman got the Arkansas job, Yes, I said it, home run higher. He is going to re-elevate this program to the elite of the elite in college basketball. Well, three straight second weekends in the NCAA tournament, and I thought there was a very compelling, interesting thing that happened this week when Arkansas drew Duke as its game in the ACC-SEC Challenge next year. Why is that important? It is because Duke is right up there with Kentucky as the biggest brand in college basketball, maybe include Kansas or North Carolina. There are very few mega, mega, mega brands that draw TV eyeballs regardless of who they are playing, but ESPN, who runs the ACC-SEC Challenge, their job is to put on the most compelling matchup possible. So the fact they chose Arkansas, the fact they chose Bud Walton Arena as the site where Duke will play the inaugural ACC-SEC Challenge, it shows you how far Arkansas has come and that Eric Musselman has brought them to a level where TV executives now say, send Duke there. Because it's going to be a crazy atmosphere. It's going to be great for TV ratings. Let's stick with college basketball where Aaron was wrong. And boy, oh boy, was I wrong on this one. I was the guy in April and in May and in early June crushing John Calipari. It was never personal, but I said, and everybody knows what I said about Coach Cal. Waiting too long in the portal. Got to get your roster set. Can't wait forever to try to figure things out. Now, did he get a little lucky along the way? Obviously, if Bob Huggins doesn't get arrested, he doesn't have to resign and they don't get Trey Mitchell, the player they got earlier this week. But the bottom line is whatever it took, weird circumstances, it doesn't matter. Coach Cal put together a roster again that is good enough to compete at the top of the SEC just since the beginning of June. They've added depth with two freshmen. They brought back Antonio Reeves, who averaged 14 and a half points per game and was one of the best guards in college basketball by the end of the year. And they bring in Trey Mitchell earlier this week, the transfer from West Virginia. Listen, we can criticize Coach Cal for some of the stuff that happens on the sidelines during games, but in April, in May, in June, he always puts his team in position to have a chance to compete. And I believe with the players they added in June with the freshman class, Kentucky will once again compete where Aaron was right. Let's go back to the top of the show. And listen, all spring long, I've been saying, man, there is something not quite right at Georgia. But more importantly, why are people not covering this? Well, full circle, because we got another report from the AJC, the Atlanta Journal Constitution, which we discussed earlier in the show. I don't need to go through everything, but I am blown away that more people are not talking about this and that this is not a bigger story. I'm convinced If the same details were about Nick Saban's program or Lincoln Riley's program or Dabo Sweeney's program or Jimbo Fisher's program, this would be the biggest story in sports right now. The fact that all these accusations, all these arrests, all these reckless driving situations, and Kirby Smart is skating by, I feel like I'm the only one criticizing him at all. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But I've been saying it all spring long. Something weird going on at Georgia, dating all the way back to the tragic incident right after the national championship game. Can't believe more people aren't talking about this. Where well, Aaron was wrong. Another topic that we talked about earlier in the show the Michigan putting a Georgia, a beat Georgia segment into their practices. And why I was wrong on this, I'll be blunt. In the 2020 season, I gave up on Jim Harbaugh. I was a huge Harbaugh guy, defender, supporter right up until 2020 when it all fell apart. And I just said, look, that was year five, year six. Guys in college football don't have contenders in year one and year two, bottom out in year five, and then build back up. Only that's exactly what Harbaugh did. We are now at the point, back-to-back Big Ten titles, favored to win the Big Ten. Oh, by the way, they now are not, I don't want to say they're not worried about Ohio State, but they have a beat Georgia segment in their practice because they believe that Georgia is the last barrier to getting to where they want to go i give harbaugh credit i had given up on him i loved him and then i hated him he is back he is rolling and he apparently has a team that believes they are one step away the only step left to climb towards the mountaintop is to beat georgia they are preparing to do it quickly where aaron was right all right so i'm gonna give myself a little bit of credit for something that i don't think i talked about on this show but i know i talked about on my radio show on fox sports radio It was June or July of 2021. And I said at the time, I remember arguing with my radio partner, Arnie Spanier. Why is Shohei Ohtani not a bigger story? Remember, 2021 was the year that he won MVP. 2021 was the year that he was arguably the best hitter and pitcher in baseball. I think he had something like 45 home runs a year. I said, why is no one talking about this? Then two or three weeks later, the Stephen A. Smiths, all those guys caught up. And now I'm here to say it again. Shoei Otati earlier this week had two home runs and 10 strikeouts in the same game. He is, in my opinion, the greatest living athlete that we have right now. Now, LeBron in his prime was a different deal. Uh, maybe Messi or Ronaldo in their prime was a different deal. But right now you have a guy that is the best hitter and maybe the best pitcher in baseball. You know how many unique skills you have to have to do that? The, the hand-eye coordination, the speed, the power, the arm strength. It's unbelievable what he is doing. I still believe we should be giving him more credit than he than he's getting. Shohei Otani's the greatest athlete we have on this planet. I love watching it. Where well, Aaron was wrong. So earlier on Thursday, I go on TechS Radio with my buddy David Nuno every Thursday morning to mostly talk Texas uh AM sports. But at the same time, you know, David's a big NBA guy. He used to cover the Rockets in in uh in Houston. And so he asked me about Kyrie Irving and James Harden. And I said, I'll be honest, I don't really think there's a market for either one of them. I think it's time we just stop talking about them. And I bring it up to very simply say um, that after I got off with David Nuno guess what happened? We get a report that Kyrie Irving is meeting with the Phoenix Suns, courtesy of Chris Haynes. And we get a report, courtesy of Shams and Adrian Wojnarowski, that James Harden wants a trade out of Philadelphia and that there are already suitors lined up. Listen, I'll be blunt. I think both those guys are losing players. I wouldn't hitch my wagon to either of them, specifically Kyrie Irving, but apparently talent trumps all, especially in the NBA, and apparently both of those guys might get another opportunity with another team this offseason. All right, I think it is time for me to officially get out of here. What a loaded, jam-packed episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. If you are not subscribed to the show, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed, make sure to rate and review the show, go ahead, give us a quick five stars, let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff, make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com, that is all for today's show, that is all for June. Thank you, guys and girls, for your support. And we'll be back next week. Again, if something happens over the weekend, we'll be back on Monday. Otherwise, we might wait until after the July 4th holiday. It's going to be a wait-and-see approach. All for today's show. Thank you, guys and girls, for your support. It is time for me to get out of here. Shout-out to Torrent Craig. Shout-out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout-out to JJ Redick, you f Unblock me, bro. I'll be back uh, next week. Probably Wednesday, maybe Monday, new episode, Aeratorus Pod.
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.